Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome once again to Rainer Hirsch's Proms in the Pub. My name is Rainer Hirsch. I am a conductor and a comedian. And this is my podcast about the BBC Proms, but uh, without the BBC. Now, what does a conductor do? No, really. What does a conductor do? The whole thing's a mystery. It's weird. There's this person standing in front of an orchestra who looks like they're doing something really important, yet hardly anyone knows what it is. Not even, I would venture, a lot of the audience that turns out to see the proms. Football managers pick the team, shout stuff from the sidelines and appear on telly afterwards explaining their triumph or excusing their defeat. Conductors wave, point put on there, this is so beautiful, I'm going to cry face, get all the applause and disappear, not even stopping to mumble, yeah, the trombone's done well. What's going on? Couldn't the orchestra just do that on their own? Conducting is actually not hard. You could definitely do it too if you wanted. The initial outlay is low, nothing more than a stick plus some evening wear. The principles are easy-peasy and you don't even have to read music, really. Entertainer Danny Kay conducted whole concerts for years and couldn't read a note. It's the only job that can be learned in an evening, said conductor Adrian Bolt. So if you've got an evening, know a local park where there's plenty of sticks and can dig out whatever you wore to your last funeral, you could be on your way. Consider the pleasures. A whole orchestra at your command, fusing that mass of musical talent into a single voice to have them sweep and surge with a flick of your wrist. Your wrist! Oh, the glory, the ecstasy. Okay, there's going to be some work to do. You're going to have to learn how to throw tantrums in a variety of foreign languages. You will need to know all the instruments and where their players sit so that you can at least vent your rage in the right direction. Then there are decisions to be made. Baton or no baton. Mad hair or groom precision. Cold clinician or heart on sleeve musical musketeer. The pitfalls are many. There is potential humiliation at every turn. But look on the bright side. Whatever happens, you will definitely be the most interesting person at dinner parties. Now, if you want to pick up some tips, study the species in its native habitat, there's no better place than the proms. Night after night, new blood steps up to do whatever it is they do. And over the last few weeks, I've watched a few of them myself. Last night, it was Simon Rattle, who stands like a giant curly-haired goldfish, mouth open, gulping. Stick-waving, left-hand pointing, he recited a truly magnificent Mahler Second Symphony. All one and a half hours of it, from memory. How does he remember it all? Well, he's been doing it for almost 50 years. That's got to help. The night before, it was Grandi Zubin Mater in front of the Australian World Orchestra, a kind of super orchestra drawn from musicians of all orchestras, whose unifying factor is that they are Australian, or failing that, have at least one Australian grandparent, or failing that, if the orchestra manager is desperate, know at least what an avo is, and do a convincing upward inflection at the end of all their sentences. 
Zubin has been ill, for which genuine sympathy, but the effect has been to make his gestures even smaller than they used to be. His beat, one beautiful but hardly changing undulation, his left hand cupped permanently as if he were a magician trying to conceal a coin, his face unchanging, his demeanour unbending, you're bound to wonder what he's doing exactly and would it make any difference if he stopped. Going backwards a week, Danish Thomas Dausgaard, or if you're Danish, Thomas Dausgaard. Danish always strikes me as a kind of cockney version of English. People have watched a little bit too much EastEnders. Dausgaard, Dausgaard, it's a language that's been filleted. Thomas spoke to the BBC Scottish Symphony Orchestra in gestures ranging from kneading the basses to a start at the beginning of Ravel's La Valse to twitching the smallest pizzicato so it landed exactly as he would want it. Is all that precision too much? It's certainly better for everyone keeping together and more interesting to look at. Purists say it's what the ears hear that counts, but I don't altogether agree. The orchestra experience is also a spectacle, and the conductor not only shows the orchestra who's on, but also can remind the audience where their attention should lie. At best, he or she can be the physical embodiment of the sound. Back a week or more, we had the Mana Chamber Orchestra, who came on and did the Marriage of Figaro Overture on their own, and I thought played better doing that than when pianist Life Over Adsonis conducted them. Worked that out. But for me, the definition of what it means to be a conductor happened at the end of the first week in the form of this episode's guest, Barry Wordsworth. Barry, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind me describing him thus, has never been one of conducting's jet-set big hitters. He's not part of the, if it's Sunday, this must be Seattle crowd, but quietly, reliably, and for over 50 years he's been directing deceptively difficult programmes that the International Brigade wouldn't, and possibly frankly couldn't, touch. He's not known for his minor symphonies, though he does those too, or the lesser-known works of Pierre Boulez, but ballet, show music, Strauss waltzes, stuff that has a nasty habit of stopping, starting, changing tempo and being damnably difficult to get right. For that, you need not only musicality, but also a cast-iron technique. So when the chief conductor of the BBC Concert Orchestra, Bramwell Toby, sadly passed away this July, who did the Beeb call on to fill his shoes in the Music for Royal Occasions prom? Barry Wordsworth. A true promenade concerts hero, including a veteran of the 1993 last night. I was absolutely delighted when he agreed to join me in Proms in the Pub. Well, actually, he'd just come back from a stay in his holiday home in the vicinity of Toulouse in France, so maybe we should be talking about the Proms in the Pub. So tell, tell me, Barry, how, how is Brexit going for you in the, you know, man who owns a, this little hideaway in Oh, from that, from that point of view, it's a complete disaster. Hmm. Um, I, I've had the house for 30 years now and I bought it particularly because I was travelling a lot with my work yep. so if I had a holiday I just wanted somewhere I knew I could go and just crash all the stuff is there don't have to take anything exactly you're chez toi yes. and I could do it without planning you know I could suddenly wake up and think oh I've got six days free I'll go to Pesh yeah um of course, now everything's hedged around with all the ninety-day rule and all that Schengen nonsense. Yeah. Um, and I have actually once already had a six-month visa, which was very easy to get and worked fine. And I'll do that again. Yeah. Quite soon, but it's still a question of having to plan everything, you know. Mm. And as regards work, Brexit, all that. How do you feel about that? Oh, it's dreadful. Isn't it? 
I mean, the London orchestras. A friend of mine in the RPO, management of the RPO, just told me about six months ago that um, it's now easier for them to send the orchestra to America mm. than it is to send the band to, to, to Europe. And financially, this is terrible, because all the London orchestras, well, all the British orchestras, particularly the London orchestras, used to just hop over for two or three days, yep. you know, do a few concerts, come back. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a disaster. Absolutely. It's everything is worse than it was. Yeah. As a result of this. Let's start at the beginning. You were born in Worcester Park. How did you know that? Oh, I have my spies. But that's uh, that rings a bell with me because I was born in Thames Ditton. No. It's on the same line. There you are. You see. Well, you can get to Worcester Park a few ways. More ways you can get to Thames Ditton, I think. But (laughs) yeah, when I lived in Cheam for all my childhood, yeah, brought up in Cheam. Yeah. I mean, that's something we might talk about because. That's how I became a musician, actually. Anyway. Yeah, so. and so you, your first experience of conducting, well, I mean, was, as I understand it, conducting the Messiah at school, which is very precocious of you. God, you, you know so many things. Well, I've done a bit of, you know, I have a man treading you around just for a few days. It's not much, it's not expensive, and especially now with Brexit, it's very difficult. No, of course, <laughs> I, there is something called the interweb, and I, I All right, spend okay. a bit of time, you know, trying to find out, you know, tell me, tell me about that. You, how did that happen? Well, we'd been preparing um, the Messiah at school with the local girls' school. Yeah. And the music master, who was a fantastic musician and a very, very good supportive person to me. Um, About two weeks before the performance, he fell ill, couldn't do it. Toscanini. So I went to the headmaster and said, because the headmaster got up at, at the beginning of school, and said uh, that day, and said that Charles Cleal is not very well, um, we're going to have to cancel the Messiah. And so I w- was a prefect by then at the school, sixth form, and I went and knocked on the headmaster's door and said, Excuse yeah, me, sir. You don't I need th- to cancel it. I'll I do think it. I can do the performance of the Messiah, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's what happened. Extraordinary. I mean, um, I mean, you... with, with, his, with Charles's approval, of course, because, you know. Because he was, as I say, he was a tremendous supporter. That's another story we can tell, because that's how I became <clears throat> under, under the wing, if you like, of Sir Adrian. Because when my my dad came home one day and said, "Oh, there's a concert over the road," because we lived opposite a swimming pool, and in the in the winter, right, they, it, they, it over. they drained it, boarded it over, and it became concert hall. Extraordinary. And the LPO were down with Sir Adrian. Adrian, and, let's say Adrian, Adrian Bolt. Adrian Bolt, yeah. yeah. And the next morning, when I went into school. Um, the first lesson was a music lesson and so the, the end of the lesson the music, Charles Cleel Wordsworth come over here I want to talk to you what's the matter with you dreaming looking out of the window I can't get your attention what's up and I explained to him that I'd been to this concert and I couldn't get it out of my mind do you see do you remember what it was what yeah well I remember the main work was Enigma Variations right and he said, oh, Charles, uh, Charles said, um, Sir Adrian's a good friend of mine. I'll write to him for you. And I said, you can't do that. You can't do that. Yes, I will. And two weeks later, I got a, a note from his secretary um, saying, Sir Adrian um, has received this letter from your music master. And uh, when you next get a holiday at school, please let us know and come and see Sir Adrian. Fantastic. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. What was he like? He was a real Edwardian gent. If you, it, it's the best way I can describe it. I mean, he wasn't... He was quite formal. Mm. But he had a sense of humour. Mm. Um, 
unbelievably generous with his time. Yeah. Every every holiday, every time, you know, he said, oh, well, I'll send you my weekly plan of rehearsals and anything you can get to, just let me know and there'll be a, there'll be a pass for you at the state door. Fantastic. Or the artist's entrance or whatever. So I went to see him conduct. By that time, of course, he wasn't with the BBC. He was with the LPO and all of that. <clears throat> and um, that was just amazing. Just to, you know, bring the scores that you've been learning with you and we'll talk about them. And we we only ever once got stick out and sort of did 4-4 four, four to each other and that sort of thing. Yeah. And the rest of the time it was, oh, I see you've been doing Brahms. OK, let's talk about which symphony shall we talk about. Nice. He had this, uh, a very particular technique, he had this, you know, this way of, he wrapped rubber bands around a ball-y kind yeah. of baton, didn't he? Yeah, I've got some upstairs. Have you? <laughs> Not of his, but I've got the sort of thing. He, it's a very good idea because, you know, so often, even if it's a cork handle, yeah, it slips out of the hand, well, especially that, when you get a bit sweaty. That is traditional. And the elastic bands just hold it there. You've got a good grip. His his thing was, I think, be able to roll it around in your finger like that. Wasn't yes, it? it was all. So like it was all rolling really down. So you had this, like a rolling a golf ball up and down, and being able, therefore, the baton, the the pointy bit, would move around with you. And yes, be flexible. And, you, and you didn't have to move this. You bring your arms up once a concert was his advice. Yes, you know, the rest of the time. Yeah, he was he was an extraordinary man. I mean, for example, the last the very last thing he said to me, he said, "You seem to have grasped hold of quite a lot of it. Now go away and forget it all and find your way of doing it." And because it wasn't for years I realised what he meant. You know, that it's such a personal thing. There isn't a right or a wrong way. Is what he would sort of say. Well, try this, or maybe maybe that would suit you better. Or meaning physical, physical language, physical, and also to do with. The interpretation of music and and, and what what you're there for. Mm. I mean, that's one of the first, when when I first went to see him. as one of the he used to call me Wordsworth, of course. What 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 do you think you're there for, Wordsworth? And I said, because I like music. So I said, yes, yes, I know. But I mean, what what are you supposed to do for the orchestra? I said, oh, I don't know, really. Yeah, I was only about nine years old. And he said, you're there to do what they can't do for themselves. Most of it they could do without you. Just concentrate on the things they really need you for. Right. And for 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 the uneducated, as if to a five-year-old child, what 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 do the orchestra need you for? Well, I think partly his 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 view was that these days the orchestra is so large, conductors weren't needed originally because they could all keep together quite well nicely. Back in the day of Mozart and the yeah. like. Twenty people. Do it from the they violin. don't need a conductor. Exactly. They can see one another. They can hear one another. They don't need somebody waving the stick in front of them just to go. This is where the beat is, or whatever. That's it. So you have to find a way of being keeping the thing together. So at, when and you spread that out to you know 120 people, mm. then all of a sudden people can't hear one another. They can't see one another. Exactly. That's and also in certain concert halls, they hear an echo, or they hear this or that, and the other, which they don't realise. Mm. So you point out to them that this is needs a bit of attention or whatever um, and he was also although he didn't hardly ever spoke about intonation but he did say you know, sometimes they will need to know if it's not as, as in tune as you think it should be or so but, you know, just, just mention it and let them deal with it hmm. so he was very I mean he was a very forceful character but he didn't he was never a dictator of the orchestra never. yeah yeah very hands off mm. 
Uh, interesting, yeah. I mean, get the orchestra. The, the orchestra will sort things out on their own. That's the main thing about it. They, the first run through, they cock it up. The second run through, suddenly it's better already just by dint of having played it again. Yeah, and and he was also quite, you know, he he would say, well, we have a good system of notation, but it's not the bees, you know, it's not the end of the world, and you've got one rehearsal, and you have to make sure that everybody's thinking about the piece you're doing in a similar sort of way. It may not be the way they'd like it to be, but that's how we're going to do it today. Yes. So, you know, we're there... Well, I mean, he used to say to me, you're a primus inter pares. Ooh, first among, I, first right. amongst equals. OK, there we go. I, I, was, if I'd read more, um, you know, spy novels, I, I'd probably I'd know that. <laughs> um, tell me about the first time you attended a Proms concert. Can you remember that? I can't tell you the date. No, just roughly but, the but feeling I, of the... What age you might have been. Yeah, I think I was in my teens, still at school. And I remember, because it was before the Mushrooms, Right. I remember hearing the concert twice. Once from the platform and once from the bounce on the, from the wall behind me. Yeah. Um, and isn't it wonderful what they've done to that acoustic now? Well, it's been up there a while now. I actually mm. can't really remember it. That was 1968 or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was it was an amazing place to go, just because it, you know, when I ever I went, it was always packed full, even then, um, or perhaps particularly then. And it has a wonderful atmosphere. I adore the place. But I mean, now the sound is just wonderful. Right. So you you your first concert. Can you remember what you was you saw anything like that? Anybody no, from those years? No. No. I no. I can't really remember except that I came home thinking, oh, God, this is amazing. <laughs> this, is the world, this is the world I've got to be in. Yeah. Now you have conducted 30 times at the proms. Were you aware of that? No, I didn't realise that. 30 mm. times. So, you know, uh, you first did it in 1987. Mm. Do you remember that? Can you remind me what the programme was? I can remind you what the programme was. Uh, the programme was Tchaikovsky, Eugene the Nyagin, Polonaise from... Uh, waltz from Act Two, Rachmaninoff's Second Piano Concerto uh, with Howard Shelley, oh, and Poulenc Les Biches, the complete ballet, a promise premiere. Wonderful. Well, I think I must have had quite a hand in that, because Les Biches is a score that I absolutely adore. Yeah. Um, and we were doing it around that time, I think, at Covent Garden, anyway. Or I had done it as a ballet. <laughs> So, yes, well now you've reminded me, I can remember how wonderful it was to do that prom. Um, so th the phone goes, or maybe back in 1987, the runner comes round. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a little street urchin, I've got a letter from Mr Wordsworth, sir. <laughs> it, and then you, here's, here's a half a crown for your trouble. It probably would have been half a crown back then. No, it wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> we're not there. <laughs> and... Well, you know, what, what, what happens then? You, you know, it's the problems, this thing you've been to mm -hmm. uh, as a teenager. 
How, how did that feel? Usually, I think when you get asked to do a concert, there's already an idea in people's minds about what it could be. Mm. And then you have this wonderful discussion backwards and forwards. Well, supposing we you know, swap that piece, would this piece be better? Could we do that? And eventually you, you come to a, a version of the programme which everybody's happy with. Right. So that's where your biche mores would have come in. I, I imagine it might have been my idea, especially if it was a proms premiere, but then they would have been very keen to have a piece like that done for the very first time at the proms anyway. Why do you like les biches? Oh, I love the style of Poulenc, the sort of... He's, he's a composer that I would love to have met because apparently his character was extremely changeable. Some days he could be absolutely wonderful company and other days a real pain in the neck. So, um, And there's that sort of hint of something slightly sinister in the score whilst at the same time being uh, quite beautiful music to listen to. It's It's... it's the variety of the st- of styles, and yeah, it was. It must have been with the BBC singers then. It was. So yeah. there we are. BBC, a bit, Uncle Tom Cobley and all were yeah. out there. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Tell us what it's like you walk out onto that platform uh, to that audience what's that like I think it's a terribly complicated question actually I mean, it should be a simple answer to that first of all there's the thrill of the place being practically full so what is that 5,000 people yeah I mean how often do you do a concert to that many people um, 
Bear in mind the festival hall is only 2,200 and that is rarely full. So there we are. you've got twice that. Twice that. And an nightly. At nightly and an enthusiasm which I don't think I've... Well, yes, I did do a concert recently where the enthusiasm of the audience was, as, was on that level, but it, it is something extraordinary at the Albert Hall. And it's the same night after night, isn't it? There are people... It's, the, it's still the greatest music festival in the world, actually. So, um, and I think that if you have any nerves, and I do still get nervous about doing concerts, the moment you begin, it all disappears and you can just focus on what you're there to do. Mm. And that, for me, is the most wonderful thing. Why do you get nervous? What it, what it, what's jumping around in your mind? What are the demons saying to you? I, I think it's because you have a head full of things that you want to achieve and you're just hoping that you will achieve them. Hmm. Uh, at ner- nervousness is probably the wrong word. It's, it's tension. Hmm. That's, the better, that's a better way to describe it. Right. it, it I don't feel... I don't, I'm sure that work, walking onto the platform should never feel the same as you do when you go into a supermarket. You know, there's, there's an excitement, but there's also, uh, there's also a responsibility that you have to make things work for your orchestra, for the audience, for your soloists. Um, you want, basically, you want to give everybody a, a jolly good time, don't you? Mm. You don't want things to go wrong. That's Absolutely it. not. In what mode might they go wrong? What are, what are the things, what's the thing that you fear happening? It, it's partly why I never conduct from memory, because I have seen some very great conductors do things from memory and, and actually make mistakes. Mm. Like coup people in the wrong place... Yeah. Forget whole movements. Exactly. You know, things that the orchestra have saved them, but there's usually a hiatus moment and that happens. Orchestra saving them in the sense that the orchestra, of course, they've got the parts in front of them and they would ignore this uh, very inviting gesture to start playing, knowing that they've still got, you know, four bars rest or whatever it is. Yes, I mean, I even thought, I'm not going to mention any names, but Do. I <laughs> But um, I have seen conductors bring in a fortissimo two bars too early, you know? Mm. Repeated passage in a classical symphony where suddenly they, they've lost their, con- their concentration for a moment and the orchestra just goes on playing what's in the parts and you can see sometimes an odd smirk on somebody's face. You know? Yeah. Um, so if you're saved by the orchestra, that's, that's wonderful, but, I mean, there are times when you can lead them up the garden path if you're, if you're, not, if you're um, not on the, on the ball. In what way? Perhaps in, in Stravinsky, for example, conducting a five eight the wrong way round, or getting lost. In that Hang on a second, let's let's unpack that. So a five eight would be five beats in a bar, and it could be either three two or two three. Yeah, and that actually strangely, so you boot three beats down and two beats up, or the other way around, and that strangely can be quite important to players who are trying to deal with Stravinsky right of spring, for example. Yes. Because, and we go back to what we were talking about earlier, it is an enormous orchestra. Mm. What is it, 100 and something players usually? Mm. Um, so the, the, the actual distance between one side of the orchestra and another is such that they can't hear each other. Mm. And they rely on you to place things in the right way. And in such a way that they will respond to the beat and produce the sound together. Yeah. Um, but there you are on that famous podium. And you are the centre of this vast arena, the biggest audience that generally 
you know most people will perform to unless they've done the Hollywood Bowl and who knows that's probably smaller uh, do you ever allow yourself a moment to look around and think my goodness you know if that teacher the headmaster who let me conduct uh, handle the Messiah could see me now Does there, is there anything like that even a moment uh, I think possibly after the concert's over I might have those thoughts and certainly walking out there before the rehearsal starts in the afternoon you think how many other great great conductors have walked along the pathway that I'm now working on and stood on that rostrum you know, starting with Henry Wood yeah uh, but if, I find that if I think about that too much, it, 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 the stress level goes up again. So I just try and uh, concentrate on what I'm doing. Yeah, you zone it out a little bit. Um, so you conducted it first in 1987, and then uh, every year for 20 years, pretty much. Sometimes, oh. well, not pretty much, yes, every year for 20 years. Sometimes more than once in a season... Um, I mean, I'll just go over some of your hits, if you don't mind, uh, because I mean, you're a man who's done so many concerts, so many great things. Uh, in 1995, you did the hundredth anniversary of the first Promenade concert. So they started in 1895, yeah, and you did the hundredth in one program in 1994. I counted 19 pieces music you had to kind of you know, there's a bit of Strauss, and then there's uh, some operas, and then there, there's some opera. Arias, and then there's you know some phonic piece, and then there's this and that. That isn't it. That is a, a vast you know. You have to switch mm. styles and moods so quickly. Yes, I think that they're possibly as uh, in, in a way a, a little bit of influence from Friday Night is Music Night on Radio Two. Yeah, you know that, there was almost never a piece in Friday Night in my day which lasted for more than six minutes. So that people listening at home on Friday night, if they didn't like it, they wouldn't turn the radio off because they know that it'd be over in a minute and they'd have the next thing that they would enjoy. Yes. Um, and I think that that's possibly part of the, the influence of this because that all those, most of those problems were with the concert orchestra, weren't they? Yes, all of them, I think. Yeah. Um, the BBC Concert Orchestra, who uh, in 1993... You described as uh, the gypsies from Golders Green, I believe. Maybe it would be the travellers from Golders Green now. I don't yeah, know. Yes. Yes, I th that was in that speech, wasn't it? Um, at the last night of the proms. Well, it's, it's still, for me, one of the great, great orchestras. Right. Because uh, they can change direction so quickly. Change that. And also, even when they're playing something which perhaps some of them are not so keen on, you would never know when you're conducting. Mm. The actual determination to play the piece as it should be and to give their best for whatever is put in front of them is just the most inspiring thing to work with, I have to say. I mean, there are other... I'm not saying other orchestras don't do it, but the, the concert orchestra do it every day of their lives.
you then proceed with uh, 20 years of proms. Um, some names that I noticed that you worked with, 1989, Richard Rodney Bennett. Do yes. you remember him? Yes, I do very well because um, we had the... Well, I had the most exciting time working with him on a ballet at Covent Garden called Isadora, another choreography by Sir Kenneth Macmillan. And he used to come along to the rehearsals uh, and at the end of a day working with him, he'd say, what are you doing now? I'm playing... Tonight I'm playing at the Pizza on the Park. And he would go down, you know, and, and croon and play at Scott Joplin and croon into the piano and sing. And, and this was a guy who'd studied composition with Pierre Boulez. I mean, what a fantastic musician. And also, I have to say, a really nice bloke. Mm-hmm. And so I was thrilled to be able to do some, some, some performances of his yeah. performance. Um Julian Bream playing... Oh, yes. Malcolm Arnold Guitar Concerto. Yes, that was an experience too, not, not least because, as you probably know, Malcolm Arnold is quite a character. Yes, one way of describing it. And I do remember at the end of the performance, because I think he was quite pleased with the performance. He wasn't so pleased with the rehearsal, and uh, he kept on stopping us and, and saying, no, that's not right and that's not right. And I remember Julian Bream suggesting that whoever was with Malcolm at that time would perhaps take him off for a coffee perhaps it's time you had a coffee Malcolm and they took him away and then we coffee <laughs> or, or something <laughs> and um, and then and then we got on with the rehearsal but at the end of the performance he was obviously pleased with what we'd done and he picked up Julian's guitar and threw it into the air I mean he let go and I mean it just went up and and he caught it again as it came down and gave it back to him. And, I mean, you heard the whole orchestra and the audience just gasp. This is horror. on stage? Yes, on stage. In front of... In, in front right. of everybody. I mean, we were all like... I, I'm sure there's a tape of it. You can probably hear the whole of the Albert Hall going, ah! as he did it. How extraordinary. Well, he was rather a wonderful character. Well, I suspect Julian Bream didn't think so at that precise moment because his guitar, a lovingly... Probably handcrafted, you know, span it, and you know, probably worth a worth a bit. I would have thought so. Yes, but thank goodness it came back in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be telling a different story. We'd be telling about you know, the day that you were there when Julian Bream's guitar got smashed, by and, we, and we had to get the broom out and sweep up the bits. <laughs> yeah, that would have been fun, wouldn't it? That is the, that is the title of an biography, isn't it? Malcolm Arnold smashed my guitar. <laughs> now, one problem that we cannot ignore was 1993 mm. when you did The Last Night. I remember being, in the preparation of it, being absolutely overawed by the idea that it was going to be me doing this. You know, how can this be possible? But then thinking immediately, OK, so you have been asked, now get on with it and do the best you can. Um, and the excitement. I mean, there is, again more excitement even walking into the last night of the proms because of all the history and tradition of that situation than there is about even about an ordinary night which is exciting enough but to walk out of that stage on the last night it's just something else and it, it, it really makes you give of your best I think one hopes yes do you feel the butterflies that night the doubt um, well again it's exactly the same yes beforehand but the moment you start, your brain is so into what you're doing that all the anxiety and the stress and the, that disappears. Yeah. Uh, do you get paid more for the last night? No. 
<laughs> no, <laughs> like another concert. Just, just like another it one. is the BBC. It's a BBC, <laughs> BBC fee, yes. <laughs> but maybe a bit more for the broadcast. Uh, but probably not as No, that's as... all included. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, no. Do you still get repeat fees? Because I occasionally get repeat fees for ludicrously small sums, like 58p. And so yeah, on. it's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, it helps. Uh, f- fund my, whatever it is, my slipper habit. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. in that last night, um, your speech, there, which one can watch on YouTube, it's still there? Is it? Well... Now, ladies and gentlemen, it's my turn. I have been told that this was going to be an ordeal, but I think I might rather enjoy it. Can you believe we are nearly at the end of the 99th Henry Wood season of Promenade Concerts? You talked about... um, Well, I want to contrast what it was like in 1993 with Mm. what's happening now. You talked about, you know, how wonderful it is. There's 83% attendance. Well, it's hard to know because who gets the figures only the BBC, but mm. all reports indicate that it's gone significantly down after COVID. Yes. Uh, there is obviously COVID. Do you think COVID has changed people's attitudes, you know, towards going to live events and the concert hall? I do. I think people are very nervous about it. Mm. Um, I think also that just the fact that they've got out of the habit of travelling and going to a concert getting home late... Mm. Uh, I think as people have gotten used to sitting at home listening to it on the radio mm. and not travelling. But I think in, as time goes by, it could return. I like to think it will because actually one of the most wonderful things about music making is the social aspect of it. Yeah. Um, it's not the same if you listen on your own or with a couple of friends at home. It, it, it's really not that. There is something missing as far as I'm concerned and I think that people will realise that mm. and slowly it will come back but uh, it, it's going to take a lot of hard work to, present, to, to persuade people of that missing element In your speech you wondered whether the BBC was as proud of the resources represented on that stage as clearly the promise and you and everybody else were were mm-hmm. in the sense that there is a sort of uh, disconnect between the authority of the BBC, mm. the great mass of that, and the artistic undertaking that are the BBC orchestras, and so it's not a question of you know one person, John Drummond, for example. It's the powers that be up there. Mm. Do you think the BBC is still as proud? Uh, in 2022, as they were in 1993, I'm very much out of this, the folk, you know, the, the the situation, the BBC situation. Now, I've, I've still got a title, as you know, with the concert orchestra, conductor laureate, but I don't get involved at all in politics of it. Mm. Um, not only because I don't want to, but because I, it, it doesn't happen. People don't need to ask me there other principal conductors and so on involved mm. in, in all of that sort of thing so what i have to say is 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 just looking at it from the outside absolutely that's what i mean it's your own your own view my, my own view yeah. um i'm worried because i i keep hearing that uh, the bbc license fee is going 
I keep hearing that, for example, the BBC Concert Orchestra might be relocated. Um, if those things happen, will the funding still be there for the five orchestras that the, the BBC f finance? Um, it's it, My mind is full of question marks, and I would be devastated if the BBC orchestras went. I think it would be the most terrible thing for this country. Um, but people are so passionate about the orchestras that perhaps if that did happen, they would find a way of surviving, just exactly the same as the Australian orchestras survived when the ABC decided to stop the funding. So who knows which way it will end up, but I have a feeling that the orchestras will survive. Yeah. Um, you also said that in 1927 when the BBC took over the proms, it was entrusted with something, a jewel, which you needed to uh, value and protect. Mm. Is it doing that? Yes, I think it is. It may not always seem to everybody that it's going in the right direction because the important thing about it is that it develops. So it shouldn't be the same now as it was 20 or 30 years ago. It has to... Uh, um, and... I think that the people who run the proms are very conscious of that. And the variety that I saw in the, in the, in the programming, it's over there, um, it's wonderful. It, of course there are the post-COVID problems and the fact that it's been for three years now, yes, uh, influenced by those, those difficulties, is very, very difficult for everybody. And it's very easy just to observe from the outside and say, oh, of course, it's, it's a load of rubbish compared with what it was. And I've, I've heard people say that. I don't believe that at all. I think it's still an enormously vibrant force. And I think the clever thing is that it changes in order to maintain that vibrancy because if you keep it as it was at the, at the original, then nobody would bother to go at all. It has to evolve. Yes, and it's the change that people don't like. I mean, that's one thing about all audiences everywhere. They, don't, they get used to one thing and they want it to remain the same. But in fact, therein lies the end of the road so to speak I think it's imp yes I agree with you and I think it's terribly important that we realise that music is there for everybody it's the most powerful ingredient of good that we have in society or one of the most shall I say and that isn't just classical music that's music of every style of every from every background and it's a wonderful way that people start to understand each other you know if you listen to classical music from all over the world you're a richer person. Um, you also mentioned, you know, and this is going beyond the BBC, that you hope those responsible in government supported our musical heritage so it's in a good condition for talking in 1993, the new millennium. Here we are, 30 years after that. Has the government fulfilled that promise? I think it could do better. I really do. Um... And I'm saying this, aren't I, at a time when musicians the world over have been through the most appalling three years of insecurity, doubts. Um, and I think that it would be wonderful if we felt that the support was there from the government for our great symphony orchestras. Let's hope, as things progress forward, that we get more of that, because the finances, I think, are in pretty dodgy state. Yeah. Um, finally, 
you talked in that speech about having had attended the proms 35 years previously as a young whippersnapper. Mm-hmm. 1993 was through the maths. I know you were born in 1948, is that right? Yeah. Um, who would you wait all afternoon in line for and stand for two hours to see these days? Is there anybody that, oh, you think, oh, I, you know, if I had the time, I'd go to their concert. Bear in mind, I'm phrasing this from the point of view of a, of a stand-up comedian, and there is no worse audience mm. for a stand-up comedian to perform in front of than an audience of stand-up comedians who sit at the back going, yeah, interesting oh. material, good good jokes, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, musicians, in my opinion, tend to be slightly more open than that, but answer that. Is there anybody out there you think, oh, I would like to see them do something? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm... I'm more interested in choosing programmes that I go to see because of the, the, the music that's involved rather than the personality that's playing it. Um, and which may be slightly strange, actually. Uh, so if you... if I mean, we have so many wonderful soloists, don't we, in the world? And the world of music is now such an international scene. Um, I am more and more impressed by the variety that we have. Uh, people that come and play here from all over the world, um, and so yes, I, I would, I, I would never not go to a concert because it was that soloist. Mm. Um, so it probably means that I would go to whatever, as long as it was a piece that I really wanted to hear. But, but of course, that's a limiting thing to say because you know, there's there's more music out there that I don't know than I do know. The, the repertoire of of the world of music is enormous, isn't it? If you listen to it the whole your whole life for twelve hours a day, you'd never hear it all. <laughs> so, so, aren't we lucky, Barry? Thank you so much for spending time. This is Proms in the Pub. Uh, what, what are you drinking? Oh, um, shall we have a little glass of prosecco to celebrate our wonderful conversation? Absolutely. I think prosecco, given your French tendencies, it's got to be champagne. Okay, let's do that. Glass of champagne. Barry Wordsworth, a true gent and one of those people who makes you feel special, like you've somehow done him a favour by talking to him. The truth, of course, is completely the other way round. Thank you again, Barry. A reminder that you can listen to his Music for Royal Occasions prom via BBC Sounds until the 10th of October, or, if you live in the UK, watch it on the BBC iPlayer, where it will be available until the middle of 2023. Still more to come in four more episodes of Rainer Hirsch's Proms in the Pub before the end of the 2022 prom season, including some surprises like, yes, the moment I bumped into Proms in the Pub hero Tom Service outside the Albert Hall Labs when he said this. And one final thing, would you be so kind enough to say, uh, Rainer Hirsch's Proms in the Pub is the place to hear about the proms or something? Rainer Hirsch's Proms in the Pub is the place to hear about the proms. <laughs> 
and some other things, including telling me how I could improve my Tom Service impression, fierce joy. Meantime, our regular, very special guest, Harry the Piano, has been contemplating Barry Wordsworth's ballet stylings, and that took some saying, the world of light music, and come up with this version of Tchaikovsky Nutcracker, doing the light fantastic. Until next time, music maestro, please! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.